Hello and welcome to the Steve Poos Benson Podcast. This is Steve. It's good to come to you here on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. This is episode 22, and I'm going to call this episode the physical or the spiritual resurrection. You know, last Sunday was Easter Sunday. We had all the big crowds, and then everybody leaves and goes home. But, you know, it leaves me thinking about the resurrection. What does the resurrection mean? I've been uh, pondering this all week long. So what I wanted to do today is I want to invite my two colleagues, Jill Vanderwall and Jane Ritterson, to come and join me in a three-way conversation about what they believe about the resurrection. Was it spiritual? Was it physical? Was there a bodily resurrection? Was it not? What difference does it make in our life? And I think the, uh, the, three, the three of us together have some interesting insights that I want to share because hopefully our own thinking will prod your own thinking as you begin to discern for yourself what does the resurrection mean for your life and faith. So this uh, podcast is right at about 30 minutes. I want you to hang in there if you can to the very end. Uh, We have a funny outtake at the very end uh, that uh, where Jane kind of pops off. I thought it was quite funny, so I, I want to include that in the end. So sit back and enjoy. Listen to this while you're commuting to work. Pop in your earbuds, go for a run, a walk, clean the house, but enjoy this podcast on the resurrection. If you ever have a topic that you want me to speak on, please let me know. Also catch my blog, Cowboy Jesus, that's published at the end of the week. But uh, enjoy this podcast for today. Take care. So it's fun today having my two colleagues, uh, Jane and Jill. We are here today. I want to talk about resurrection. Last Sunday was Easter Sunday, a big celebration. Everybody comes, huge crowds, everybody goes home, and then we kind of forget about Easter. And I haven't forgotten about Easter. I have a lot of questions that I want uh, the three of us to wrestle with today because maybe there are other people out there as well that have questions about resurrection. Maybe we can get at the heart of these and help, hopefully help people think for themselves about the resurrection. So I have an opening question that I'm, I want to ask the two of you, and then we're just going to go from there, and we are going to riff on the resurrection. So here's my question to you. If you found out, if we found out that there was a tomb somewhere, and there was the body of Jesus, and there was a sign outside, outside the tomb that said, here is the body of Jesus of Nazareth, dead in the grave. W- would that change your faith? Would that alter your faith at all? Well, it would not alter my faith because I go back and forth. You know, we grew up thinking that there was a physical resurrection, that Jesus literally came out of the grave and walked walked on this earth once again. But as I've grown older, I hold on more to the idea of a spiritual resurrection. And so to me, whether or not Jesus is his body and his decomposed remains are in there, or that, that doesn't affect my faith at all. So, Jill? Yeah, I mean, I think, so I see Jesus' resurrection as this representative of this ongoing cycle of um, of death and life and restoration. And I think it's part of the sign of what we believe in all of creation will be restored in time. And so this is this great cycle of life that happens in the micro and the macro. So I don't know that my faith hinges on a tomb and a place and bones um, because I, I believe in the bigger picture and the, and the bigger message of what I believe about Jesus. Um, but I do have friends, right, that are, I mean, even this year, again, I got an email from a friend with the whole historical documentation of the Shroud of Turin and the whole, you know, this, these claims that these were the cloths that were wrapped around Jesus and the blood samples. I, I mean, and I know people that get 
super geeked out about, <laughs> um, you know, about is this legit and the science and the geography and tombs. And that's just not me. That's, that's just not kind of where I am. And that's not the kind of the central questions I'm asking. What is the Shroud of Turin? Oh, yeah. Well, I'll send you the email. But it is. I mean, it's a grave cloths that they found in a tomb from about this time that were preserved, that have splotches of blood, that they can, you know, assess the DNA. And it, and it's, it's a tiny little piece. It looks like a tiny little piece of gauze. But it's for those people who are all about dating and authentication. The Shroud of Turin has it kind of maybe a cult-like scientific following of people that are fascinated in it. So does it prove that he died and was buried in a tomb and did not rise? Or was that he died and buried in the tomb and was risen? Or was that just, is that the whole question? Yeah, I mean, it sort of proves, I mean, maybe it um, authenticates that there was a death, a crucifixion. I mean, there was a death that had blood. Right. Okay. But grave cloths could be left over from someone who decomposed or who resurrected. Right. Either. So did you say you believed in the bodily resurrection? Well, yeah. So we were talking about this this morning in church because it was a stump the pastor morning. And so we were asking questions. And one of the questions is, where are you in the spiritual or physical resurrection? And I said, I've gone sort of back and forth and I can see all, you know, there's a lot of different views. I guess, I don't know, lately I think I'm, I, that sounds wishy-washy as I say it. Does that sound too wishy-washy? I think I'm in a physical, in the physical camp uh-huh. of why not. I mean, so much of our stories are, in of Jesus, a, a very physical, a physical touch. When Mary grabs onto him, he appears, he's walking. So the appearing words seem more of, of like a spiritual resurrection, right? But there's also some very physical parts. And so is it a physically embodied spirit, a fully alive, resurrected body. But yeah, I'm kind of in the bodily resurrection camp. Same in the spiritual resurrection camp. Kind of like with Jane. If, it, if I found bot bones, if there were bones that, that said that Jesus did not bodily raise from the grave, that wouldn't bother me at all. My faith doesn't hinge on the bodily resurrection. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Christianity, the Christian faith should hang on the bodily resurrection because it's so counter for me to what science talks about. And if you're going to do a bodily resurrection that he physically rose, then you got to answer the question, well, how did they, how did he get off the planet? And then you go to the ascension mm-hmm. and the, I don't believe, do you believe in the ascension? Yeah. You, do you do? You I, believe that he actually bodily rose up like a, like a, like a rocket? Well, what I'm, how else? <laughs> right? I mean, it's it's like the story, well, I mean, how else is he? Where else is he going to go? Well, if you believe, all, in, if a you believe, believe in a bodily resurrection, do you believe in the ascension? Then you have to believe no, he went Jane's somewhere. No, Jane's shaking her head. You, no, you, you, no, no. Podcast. Oh, we have to talk. You yes, have to we talk. have to talk. No, not really. I think that's just a beautiful a parable of... Of what happens, you know, Jesus is his spirit. His spirit is going to be forever with God, and I think we box that resurrection in that word resurrection into thinking about a bodily resurrection that Jesus comes out of the grave. But for me, resurrection is so much more than that. Resurrection is what happens to us in this life, and I mentioned this today in worship. Resurrection is life after your child dies. Resurrection is life after a divorce, after a job loss. Resurrection. 
correction happens nearly daily for many of us, and if not daily, several times throughout our lives is as we make make a new life after we've perhaps been in the depth of, of, of a depression. We come out of it and we realize that there is light, that God's light is here in this world for us to live by. And for me, that's really a better meaning or that's what's important to me about resurrection. Well, what do you think happens to us after you die then? You know, I'm not exactly sure. I say and I hope I believe that we go to a place that's better and wonderful and I count on being able to somehow being reunited with loved ones that have gone before me, but I'm not at all 100% sure about that. Okay. All right. How about you? Um, I really believe that something happens to us after we die that uh, that I would call the resurrection. I believe that somehow we're changed. I think that our body dies just like Jesus's body died. Um, but that then at the moment of our death, I will call our soul is released and goes on to whatever is next. That there is a complete transformation. But I do believe that who we are is not lost when we die. The, our body dies, but who we physically are is taken from our body and goes to whatever is next. You can call it paradise. You can call it anything you want. Even, you know, like I personally kind of believe in reincarnation, that our souls kind of go again after kind of this in-between spot. We don't, that's not really the purpose of this podcast, but I do believe that we're resurrection. Something happens to us after we die. What do you think? Well, do you think we ever have bodies again? Yeah. Yeah, And that next in this? Mm-hmm. And that next, I do, I do believe we have a physicalness. It doesn't have to be a human body, but there's some kind of physicalness. A that, physicality. A physicality that we that we are reincarnated into. Yeah. So that's a divine mystery that we don't exactly right. understand. But, I mean, I'm hoping, you know, I think so often about my dad, and I dreamed about him the other night, and it was so real. And when I woke up, I really believed that I had seen him. See, and I really do believe in some way, shape, or form that there'll be some type of reunification with loved ones. That because I still feel a really strong connection to my grandparents, a strong connection to my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I do believe that there'll be some type of reunion of some kind and then a, then a return to physicality. What do you believe? Well, it's interesting. I had a, a um, professor in seminary, David Scholler, who was like, People preach at funerals that you will be with your family and loved one, but there is nothing that indicates that in scripture that you really you go into this you know, go into this place, but it, it doesn't necessarily me- mean that you are going to be uniquely embodied in a way that you have the same relational structure you did on in your earth living, which is really interesting for us. I also wonder about the body thing, because I used to think we wouldn't have bodies in the future, but then after this last sermon series and thinking about soul and your body, um, many people say that like your body is what mediates reality for you so as a soul we kind of we float we're in essence but what we we understand through a body like through touch and feelings our bodies mediate that so i still kind of wonder in the next in the, in this afterness how how would we perceive reality touch feeling all those things without a body okay so you said i want to go back to something that you said i think is Kind of interesting. Your professor said that there's nothing in Scripture that talks about mm-hmm. the the physicality or what happens to us after we die. Do you think our understanding of resurrection and what happens to us after we die should be limited by Scripture, or is Scripture uh, kind of a limiting? And we need to say that there is still 
new insights about resurrection that's just happened. Yeah. So one of the things I think about is there's the genre in the Bible of what called apocalyptic literature, right? Apocalyptic mm-hmm. is these visions of the future. And so you have these prophets who saw these visions, um, some in Daniel and Amos and Revelation and John. So you have them trying to put into words a vision for which they have no words to describe. And I think in some ways that's when we talk about the Bible being metaphor that there's a vision and it's painting in broad strokes um, some things, some mysterious concepts that are really even bigger than. And so they're, they're narratives that can be examples that are a launching off point, but I think there's so much more territory to be discovered um, than is what is just in the Bible. But yeah. it's a beginning. Okay. That was just kind of a side thought. I had. So what do you believe happens to us after we die? What do you believe? Well... So I don't say this answer very often because I don't think people would really like it, but because I think we get so attached to a personal afterlife of like my dogs and my mom are waiting for me in heaven, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're really emotionally attached to that idea. I think of the, the energy that we have come from rejoining that energy somehow and being a part of an alive energy. Now, I don't know. So if that is, um, if there's individuality in that, or if then, yeah, we're sent back as a new energy to a new life, like reincarnation or whatever. I believe there is, and there's some sort of like a continuation of energy, but I'm not quite sure what the uniqueness of that is. Because, you know, it's a really uh, Buddhist thought that the energy of who we are continues on. And then that energy, that essence is kind of, reconstituted into something into something else as it moves forward but that so would you say like the you-ness what makes jill jill is that dispersed after you die or does it stay constituted together yeah see i don't know that's what i kind of wonder about i've um i don't i think we want we're so individualistic that we want to say it's going to be me jill vanderwall reincarnated like the best day I was at 19. You know, I mean, we all want to be our 19-year-old self or oh, whatever. God, me. I want to be 35 Okay, you're 35-year-old. But, I mean, we all want to be our healthiest, <laughs> our thinnest, our, you know, our most beautiful, embodied. I mean, that's kind of my question. Like, well, what age are we in heaven? You know, um, once I said to the kids, well, we're going to be for sure naked in heaven because that's the way we were made. And one of the kids said, we no, we will for sure have underwear on. <laughs> right. And so I, I continue, you know, I kind of wrestle as a pastor with how much do we recreate our idea of heaven in our own image? Um, and how much are we trying to, um, I, I just feel really limited in my vocabulary and my concepts of what it's going to be like because no one's come back and told us. Mm-hmm. How do you give someone peace, though, who's dying, and they, I'm going to ask Jane this one, how do you give someone peace who's dying, and they are really wondering what's going to happen next, and they're asking you for some type of insight as they're clinging to some type of hope, they're looking for something, and you have your own personal beliefs, you have the beliefs of the church, you have the beliefs of this person, and they're asking you for hope, what do you tell someone who's dying? Well, I do sit with a lot of people who are reaching the end of life. And I, if somebody asks me that, I most often turn the question back to them and say, well, what do you think it's going to be like? Because I think when somebody's dying and they're in their last hours or days of life, it's not exactly the time to project my views of what it's like 
after. Okay, but now you're talking about a pa- like a pastor. Right, okay. now I'm talking like a pastor. Don't talk like a pastor. I'm dying. Oh. And I'm asking you, Jane, what's going to happen next? And you are going to tell, I want you to tell me exactly what you think is going to happen next. What happens next? If I'm just talking like a person? Yeah. Not okay, like a, what's, not like a pastor? Yeah, just like a person. Okay, what's happening next? You're going to be in a place that you cannot imagine how wonderful it is. You're going to be free of pain. You're going to enter a paradise, and you're going to be happy, and you're going to be whole, and you're going to be uh, resting in the arms of Jesus. That's what I tell people. But is that what you believe? It depends on the day. It depends on the day and what kind of frame of mind I'm in. I mean, I really, I do believe there's something next, but I'm just, I think like Jill, our human experience and our vocabulary is so limited that it's really hard to even begin to imagine what's next. So tie that into resurrection. Is that resurrect? Is that your understanding of resurrection? My understand. So what happens after you die, what you just described? Would you describe that that is resurrection after we die? There's two. In other words, there's two parts of resurrection. The res, like what you said earlier, there's the resurrection that happened when we when we when we're alive, and then there's the resurrection that happens after we die. So is that what you just said? Is that your description of resurrection after we die? Yes. 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 Okay. I really. Yeah, I do believe that. I mean, we have never talked to anybody who's actually been dead for a long time, but we have heard a lot of stories, right? Mm-hmm. And read a lot of books of people who have reported being died, who have reported being dead, and that have come back. And I used to roll my eyes at that and kind of poo-poo that, but. I mean, who am I to um, limit the other person's experiences, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I do believe that Jesus is there waiting for us with open arms to welcome us to a place that we can't even begin to imagine. So you do think there's a physicality? Well, you, you know, a, a physicality, but not like this, right? Not like we can reach out not and touch fleshy. somebody. Yeah. Not fleshy. But I think there is some kind of physic- physicality, or perhaps we can recognize people's souls in a way that we can't even begin to imagine right now. So that's the because if you talk about flesh, that's the resurrection of the body, touching each other's flesh. Do we need flesh? Do we need flesh? Are we flesh? So go back to you. Are, go back to are you. we flesh dependent? Do we fl- are we flesh dependent? You are the bodily resurrection. Well, I mean, think about... Um, think, was, okay. was Jesus a bodily flesh that he grabbed? Did he have to be? He didn't have to be. But did he? Do you think he was? Well, that's what I'm saying, sort of, yes. But so he walked through doors, right? Well, yeah, he, do, he does appear. So he seems <laughs> to be able to sort of transport, too. But I guess if you look... So if you step back, we, as humans, have out-of-body experiences. We have that word. Mm-hmm. So you have out-of-body experiences. We also have an ability... To have dreams that seem so real that we are transported to a different place. Right. So maybe maybe we aren't as limited to our flesh as I sometimes think we are. I mean, maybe we actually do know how to function in as solely spiritual beings. We're just, that's not our normal mode. So would you say then, let's go back to the fleshy Jesus. I love that, the fleshy Jesus. Do you think that, that Jesus was just a resuscitated body? Oh, yeah. Okay. So you have to go back to all these different theories. Then what happened? No, I really believe that Jesus was dead and then had life come back in him. Because also. But that's a resuscitated body. So a resuscitated body, right? Like our other people were talking about in the Old Testament. So he was healed from death. Uh-huh. Right? So uh-huh. spirit life regenerates in him. And then because you also have Jesus walking around with wounds in his hands and his side. 
Uh-huh. So I don't have a perfect answer for that either. Okay. So walking contradiction. But he has to be healed. Like, he had to be restored enough that he could function. And how does he just appear then out of nowhere yeah, and walk know, through right? walls or doors? Didn't he just appear to the 12 oh, no. in the upper room? He we just... got Jill painted into a corner. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, hey, so you answer it. Well, I just, well, he's saying, no, so you guys are both saying spirit. There's stories. There's stories from the New Testament. They're, they're, they're myths. And, you know, a myth is not what uh, Richard Rohr said the other day I thought was good. A myth is not meaning it's not real. A myth means that it's very real. Like it's an archetype. But I believe it's they're the myths and the legends that surround Jesus, that he physically rose, but yet he could walk through walls. I think you know, we have to uh, interpret all of this stuff as people were saying that something amazing happened that they experienced. I like to call the resurrection as the great, grand, glorious something happened. I mean, something happened. Whether you want to call it the physical or the spiritual, some people encountered something that, that changed them and then changed the world, changed the human history You know, from that going forward. I just happen to believe in the spiritual. Because I think the spiritual answers more questions to me. Because if I get into the bodily, kind of what you get, there's you no, start I running don't. into so many dead ends. Like I go back to the ascension. Like how does he, that work? How does that work? He bodily took off with like a rocket. Yeah. But but if you go back <laughs> to the, I mean that's what the hot air balloon did. really. More that's what the art. More. That's what the artist depicted. Yeah, he's like, ta- and the people are down looking like at rocket. the bottom of his feet. Yeah, it just that's where I kind of so, go. Really? So, do you think he like after after crucifixion? Yeah. Do you, did he did he come back and did he appear or are they no. sort of stories? No, I I personally believe that those are stories. That they might have uh, he might have I'm doing quotation marks with my fingers. He might have appeared through a spiritual mm-hmm. sense, a spiritual essence. I mean, there have been times when I have been in a room and I have had the hair stand up on my back, of my neck. Not that I'm seeing a ghost. But I literally feel something dynamic, like mm-hmm. I would describe as being the presence of God. And I have no doubt that they experienced this profound something, this presence that they went, did you just feel that? Did you just see, you know, imagine that? What was that that we're all feeling? For me, that's what was going on. I don't think that they really needed to, you know, to touch his fingers like what, I think it's John, right? He says they touched Jesus says, touch doubting my finger. Doubting Thomas. Yeah, Doubting Thomas. This is Doubting Thomas Sunday. We missed the boat on that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so for people who that are who are hesitant of that view or or, or sort of threatened by that, by right? By my view? By this this type of a view. What What is threatening about I mean, that? threatening by my view? This, mm-hmm. the, what Jane and I feel? Yeah, like if we don't have a literal, because I mean, we're, I'm, I'm, if we don't have a literal physical body resurrection, what is at stake in that? I mean, or for what some are the people, benefits? it's the foundation of Christianity. Right. If I take away their, if I take away the bodily resurrection, I mean, I've taken away everything that they believe in. It's the foundation for them. So there has to be a body for Jesus to be real. Right. There has to be a bodily resurrection. Right. A which bo- I, I mean, I'm, there has to be a bodily resurrection for Jesus to be real. If he did not, I mean, if you go back to the Apostle Paul, if he did not rise from the dead, then we're still stuck in our sins. If we're still stuck in our sins and we're separated from God. then we are the people most to be pitied because we actually believe in something that's not real. Okay, so this language... So for Paul, we're stuck. We're stuck. Go ahead. Yeah, so the language of like this bridge, right? Jesus had to have a bodily resurrection to be the bridge from... To... From... From humanity to God? Yes. Yeah. Right? And and so if he can't be the bridge, then what can he be? Right. 
then he was just a good teacher. Okay, so then this compelling, the, so so then what are the benefits? Like, what is the invitation to the spiritual resurrection? Like, what what what? How does this expand our vision of spirituality, Jesus, the gospel, as we look at, if, as we have permission to ask the question for some people who are like new to that? What does it give us permission to ask if we think about a spiritual resurrection? You know, for me, and interesting to see what you say with that, Jane. You know, I think it gives us permission then to still call ourselves question Christians, rather, but then doubt some of the most fundamental things and to expand our notion about what it means to be a Christian, like that I can still be a Christian and believe in the spiritual resurrection. I can expand my knowledge mm-hmm. of what it means to be a Christian. I don't have, just because I doubt the physical body, the resurrection. I don't believe in the ascension. Does that mean I'm not a Christian? No, I still believe that I'm a Christian. I just happen to disagree with the uh, traditional stories. So for me, it gives me permission to expand my thinking beyond the tradition. What do you think? Well, I agree with what you said, and I'm sitting here thinking, well, if we believe we take the Bible seriously, but not literally, why would we pick out for example, the virgin birth and the bodily resurrection. We're going to take everything else seriously, but not literally. Why would we take those two things literally? literally? Uh-huh. And then i also thinking people that rail against it, you know, if Jesus had a spiritual resurrection, what does that do to people's hopes and dreams that when, when I die and go to heaven, then I'm going to see my dad and I'm going to see my dog and we're going to, you know, just continue this beautiful relationship that we had had on earth. So I think that also threatens their viewpoint of heaven. Uh-huh. Does it make Jesus any less powerful? Oh, it's a great question. Does it make Jesus any less powerful? <sighs> thinking, thinking, thinking. Um, you know, I don't think so. I mean, it, it kind of goes back to if less powerful does it mean like um, he performed miracles, he did all types of powerful things in the middle of his life so that if he dies and doesn't rise from the dead, bodily rise from the dead, does it make him less powerful? Yeah, you know, that doesn't, not in my mind, does it you? No. No, I mean, I think we learn from Jesus' life as much as we learn from his death, right? Yeah. But I think so, we create this... Well, okay, go ahead. No, no, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, we learn from the way he lived and the way he treated people and, mm-hmm. you know, love God, love your neighbor. And so I don't need Jesus to be physically resurrected to love God, love my neighbor. Absolutely right. And so it's where do we lean into when we look at the story in the life of Jesus? And I think for some, if we put the resurrection, a bodily resurrection at the top of the pyramid, or you know, the whole thing unravels if it's if that's the center of the story. But what if we put the Sermon on the Mount as the center of the story and everything emanates from that? Then it's a really different viewpoint. Um, but it is interesting because I think everyone, every denomination, different stories, put different focal points of who, the who and why of Jesus at the center of their story or the pinnacle of their story. And it, in some ways, um, you know, some groups feel like if if Jesus didn't physically raise from the dead, then everything else doesn't matter. Does that feel that way for you? No. To me, No. And that's why I said, you know, for me, like my faith does not hinge on a physical or spiritual resurrection. I can go either way, right? I think, I mean, just even talking it through today, I realize I don't talk about this every week, right? And the, you know, and 
it, it's not something I talk about all the time. And so it's good for me to think through this. Okay, the ascension, where does Jesus go if he has a body? I, but I also think, why couldn't he have a body? Um, but for me, it doesn't. That, that does not hinge. His authority and his power does not hinge on the resurrection for me. But I think for many, it does. And so I, I think I'm a minority in that camp. What do you think? Does it limit his power, Jane? No, I don't think it limits his power at all. No. Mm-mm, no. Because I, for me, Jesus' power was in the way he lived his life, standing up to the powers that be, being willing to continue, you know, as we remember Palm Sunday on that walk into Jerusalem, continuing to stand up for the powers, even to his death. And we so often back off, you know, when we're really challenged with things that we think are wrong. Um, you know, we, we tend to back off from that and, be, you know, close our mouths and not speak up. But Jesus just continued to speak what he knew was the truth, God's truth. So it doesn't lessen his power. Not See, for me. It no, doesn't lessen his power at all. Not at all. In fact, I think it, for me that he was a spiritual resurrection makes his makes him even all the more powerful because for me if he if it was a spiritual resurrection that kind of falls more in line with what i believe about science and and whatnot that for me then his life did follow a natural order a natural pattern that for me that makes all of his teachings all the more legitimate um, than if he bodily rose. That's just me speaking. And he was killed, right? Because he was a threat to the political powers of the day. I mean, I don't believe he had to die to, you know, we talked a little bit Absolutely. about in, the word, mm-hmm. in worship. I mean, he didn't, I don't believe Jesus died for our sin. He died because he was a political revolutionary. Right. Mm-hmm. And the powers killed him because they didn't like him. Right. Did you believe he died for our sins? No. But I think that that's really, you know, how you, well, that that is your sort of evangelical language around it. And I think in seminary, you're taught your, what, four or five different atonement theories. And there really isn't a language beyond your penal substitution, your, you know, your different ones that we talk about. We, um, and that's why I really love the Richard Roars and other people who are leaning into saying, how do we have, how do we have different language that is not, um, that doesn't sort of have a view of a bloodthirsty God who sent um, his beloved to, to die, right? To right. Um, as a yeah, scapegoat, really right? Yeah. And so we really, we really wrestle with that. We find it so limiting, and really, again, as we talk about laughing about painting you in a corner, I think it really paints us into a corner about what we believe as the true essence and spirit of, of God, or the the divine um, that is, you know, the creator of the universe. What do we really believe about that? So um, yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of limits, but. I don't know that we, we, so your mainstream Christian culture is still really, you know, we write songs and sing songs about the blood of the lamb and oh goodness, it's really graphic. Okay. So we're at our time. Um, thank you for uh, joining me today. Do you have any closing thoughts you want to say about the resurrection? I feel like we should burst into song of Jesus Christ Superstar or something. Oh, there you, you go. Here I am, Miss Traditional. I was uh-huh. thinking Jesus Christ is risen today. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking Jesus Christ Superstar. Which I don't know song the song, though. Which, which song? I don't know. What's, that? what's your end, like, breaking out song? Yeah, you know, um, I think of uh, the Godspell song at the very end. 
Long live God, long live God. I there love you know, that song. song. There you yeah. go. Cool. All right, you guys, thank you very much. This is the Steve Poos Benson Podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Maybe the three of us need to get back together and to do this more often. Thanks. We'll see ya. Next year is resurrection. That's, I don't want to say bullshit. <laughs> so I turned off the microphone <laughs> and we started really getting into it. So I started turning it, it on. Jane said we don't need to pay attention. What did you say? The bullshit what? <laughs> well, you know, I have two adult children who are in their 30s. And when I ask them about why they don't come to church, they start quoting back to me this bullshit stuff they learned in <laughs> Sunday school about, yeah. you know, Jesus died for our sin, you know, the physical, physical resurrection, Jesus zooming up to heaven, you know, 40 days later, all this crazy stuff. Well, it's no wonder they're not in church if because it doesn't make sense to them. Literal creation. Literal creation, and their yeah. scientific minds think it's crazy. So they should come to Columbine. Why? The, because we don't teach them. We that don't teach them that crazy stuff. That crazy, and there's crazy bullshit stuff. And there's room for questions, right? Well, yeah, but it is interesting with kids in formation too. As a parent, it's like we all value gray thinking, right? And then we see uh-huh. black and white as a very small closed box that you're going to outgrow. But the the interesting thing too is is that with kids in faith development, they really don't have nuanced thinking until what they hit like 19, and so it is a challenge. How do you help create like have kids create a container for a dynamic faith? Um, but that without creating too much gray that they can't ever put a container together. Right. Right. So that's a, that's a challenge, but I think the whole science, you know, the science and engagement of Christians and science is just a huge issue that we isolate so many people through being closed minded about scientific discussions. Right. <laughs> She'll just stuck out her tongue. <laughs> Jesus was a scientist. Okay, everybody. Thanks. We'll see ya. <laughs>